Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Well, Richard Flint, I was searching desperately for us for the beautiful intro that we have that is fabulous. And, you know, we need an engineer for the show. I'm just going to say it out loud. I'm going to put it out to the heavens out here and tell our audience, if you're dying to work on a hit show, no apologies. We're making no apologies for needing an engineer. Well, let's change this. We don't want anyone dying on the show. If, you're, <laughs> if you are driven to be excited and would yes. like to help this no apologies to really grow, then you reach out to, to Deb and tell her, I'm it, I'm it. <laughs> Far out. Okay. In the meantime, who's it is? This is Dr. Deb Carlin and Richard Flint here on No Apologies on Block Talk Radio, which has been for years the K Factor, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. And over this last year, what we realized is we're the voices of reason, intellect, and heart, and spiritual well-being. We've got it all. So we are the influencers. <laughs> Are you you really always kind? Am I always really kind? No, sometimes I'm horrible. Sometimes I'm absolutely awful. (laughs) (laughs) But I have people ask me that literally every day. People ask me that. Like, are you really happy? Are you really this happy? No. Are you kidding me? Sometimes I live deep in the contrast of it. It's sickening. But. But what? But my ambition, my core, my core is a very happy spirit. Yes, and kind. I'm a very kind spirit. I can't stand the idea of hurting anybody's feelings. I really can't. And I and I sometimes I have to really remind myself of that. <laughs> like if I'm on the phone on hold for a long time, trying to take care of some glitch in something, you know, bank account, you know, payment somewhere, and you and you get in the runaround and being put on hold, and you're in music and all that, I have to remember to be a nice person and be kind. That the person on the other end, you know, they're just trying to do their job wherever it is that they're at. So if I come in there like a barrel of monkeys, that's not going to help them. So what does kindness mean to you? Kindness is the actual currency in the world. Because with kindness, core kindness, you can have anything and everything in this world and not in a negative and and manipulative way. Kindness is a form of being gentle and genteel and exercising empathy, putting yourself in the position of the other and envisioning how would I like to have someone be treating me in this circumstance. Kindness is also not being afraid to have a little sugar in you and, and honey that you allow to spill over onto everyone else in your midst. Um, kindness is when you you enjoy 
the gestures that you do for others that put a smile on their face and make them feel good, prompt their feeling good, and inspire their inner confidence. Yeah, that's a pretty long definition. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> how, would you how would you briefly define calmness? Calmness? Calmness or kindness? Kindness. Kindness. Be nice. There you go. To nice. everyone or just certain people? No, be nice to everyone. You know it's not possible to be kind to everybody. Yeah, it is. You but you, that? Yes, you have to put your mind to it. I mean, and are you capable of doing that then? Yeah, because sometimes being kind, the, the, the kindest, nicest, most polite thing that you can do to someone who you think is awful is pretend that they're invisible. You don't have to go up to people and give them a hug. That's just fake. <clears throat> and if I'm not anything, I'm not fake. I'm not fake about anything. No. So if you if you felt someone that was there in front of you and you could you felt that you know I can't be kind to them, would you just walk away? Yeah. Yeah. If I, when I see people who I think are sickening, I don't walk towards them. And as a matter of fact. I don't, I don't really anymore, I don't want to do most networking events and big gatherings. You know, they're happening in various locations. I don't have a desire. You know, there are people in this world who just, their energy is so, um, it's just out of kilter with me. Um, that, and that's all I want to say. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, put negative thinking into my, into my brain by saying it out loud, but there are people who just, you know, their spirit, their energy, truly measurable energy, it's just not a good match for me, and I and I feel kind of sensitive to it. Do you think you can really feel when someone is a match to you and when they're not, when their energy is a match and when it's not? Oh yeah. <laughs> does that ever? Is that does that ever? Uh, are those definitions sometimes? controlled by the mood that you and I are in when we meet the person? Oh yeah, because our energy is in the is in the is in the is in the measurable frequency that our mood is in and so it influences, you know, so if if you're if you're if you're in an ugly mood, you're gonna vibrate really well with ugly people. <laughs> so are you a, are you a moody person? <clears throat> Am I a moody person? I've never been described as a moody person. I don't feel like a moody person, but I'll tell you what I am. I'm a full tell range, me, full spectrum human being. I know all the moods. I know all the emotions. I'm not afraid to let my pendulum swing. You know, I get angry. I get frustrated. I get sad. I get happy. I get exuberant. And then I sometimes I'm just still. How's that for an answer? You like that one? From you, it's, it's, it's the right answer. <laughs> so what, what can make Deb sad? Oh. What can make me sad? Well, the suffering of other people really makes me sad. You know, I, I um, as you well know, in the work that you and I do to guide people um, and to educate people in the ways that we do, out of a slump or from the middle up into a happier place. 
sometimes people are so incredibly unhappy and stuck, and that makes me really sad. I mean, there's times when I'm working with people, and, you know, I cry right with them because it's hard. Um, and then, it, you know, I mean, people hurt my feelings sometimes, and I cry. They do? Yeah, they do. And are you the type of person, if they hurt your feelings, you will let them know they've hurt your feelings? Not always. Or will you just sort of keep it inside? Yeah, most of the time I just keep it inside. Is that the correct thing to do? Um, you know, I'll tell you why I do it that way. So when someone, when I feel that someone, when I feel the result of someone's behavior is an injury to me, um, I stop to think, well, um, I have to figure out where that person is coming from, where they're at in that moment. And so sometimes people have got all kinds of things going on. And so you have to acknowledge to yourself, okay, so I'm the recipient of this, but I, if, I mean, there's so many explanations. So for me to be sad how about if I am sad that this is where they are at and, and you know, it's having this outcome on me. But um, I don't know that I want to tell them, you know, like in the moment, they really made me sad or they, you know, like you really hurt my feelings because I don't want to make them feel worse. And so um, I, just had, I just had two situations where I got my feelings hurt. And with one... <laughs> <laughs> the person said something to me on Zoom, and I and I started to cry. <laughs> so it was kind of hard to tell. I mean, it was kind of hard to conceal. And so I said, "Well, um, okay, I really I need to get going. So I'm just gonna go now. But um, you take care. Okay, bye bye." Evacuated. <laughs> And that it's someone who, you know, we know each other very well. So I got some emails and text messages and, you know, are you okay? Let's talk. And I, I just, I just needed to back up because I knew that this person is not mean spirited and didn't intend an injury for me. And if I would have said something to them, like, you know, well, that, I'm, I'm really sad. No, <laughs> like that really hurt my feelings. They would have felt horrible. What's the profit in that? And in the other instance, I just had somebody, you know, um, not not engage. You know, we were we were uh, planning things, and then they just um, didn't continue to communicate. And I'm thinking to myself, what are all the things that this lovely human being has going on? And so, if there's a conversation opportunity then I'll exercise it. But when I really um, put myself in a good place, like last night, I had a conversation with the person I just described on the Zoom. And and I could feel their awkwardness and their concern. And so I didn't, I didn't want to take us there. So we talked and I listened. And, and then I, I finally said, I just need for you to understand something. I'd like to share something with you. When this took place, um, I was I was off guard, and it was a it was a uncomfortable for me, and um, 
I just need for you to know that. And oh no, I had I had this I had this feeling, you know, it looked like I had really hurt you, and you started to cry. And I said, well, I did, I did. <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> what? So are you that sensitive of a person? Yeah, unfortunately, it's kind of sickening. I am. I am. So, in the profession that you and I live in, yeah. How do we how do we keep from becoming too emotionally entangled with the people that need our help? Um, that part of it, I I I've learned over the years how not to, you know. But but I think that there's a, a mistake in the way that that caring professionals, you know, whether it's mental, uh, spiritual, physical, <clears throat> excuse me, are, are trained, you know, stay removed, don't get, you know, don't let your emotions get in there. Well, wait a second. Do let your emotions get in there. But that means to be a human being and experience your emotions but when you say tangled, I envision the fingers on two hands getting intermingled. And I don't do that. I do stand back and look, but I do look and see and feel other people's pain. And and I and I go back into my head, you know. And then I do heart math, you know. I meditate and I pray every day. And what I do is I, I maintain that balance every day. I reconnect so that my mind-heart is balanced. But... Um, yes, I, I am a very sensitive person. You betcha I am. Does that ever get you in trouble? Well, it most certainly has. <laughs> well, one of the things that I've had to learn over the years. Yeah. And to me, it's a, uh, um, uh, how do I say this? It is a, a line that you have to draw. And that line is, I I need to be able to feel where you're coming from, but yeah. I don't need to get involved in the journey. There you go. That's right. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> one of the ways that you that we can help people is uh, by letting our our inner sensitivity not being afraid of it. That's. I love that you said that. Well, I love that I said it, too. I mean, it was so brilliant and insightful. (laughs) What else did you expect from me? Nothing. (laughs) And and so I've got to be able to feel. Yeah. Because that's where I can can identify emotions. Yeah. But I must not let myself cross the line and become involved. That's right. And, 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 you know, I think the hardest thing sometimes is to not want to get involved in someone's pain. 100%. Right. It's a matter of fact, it's really a beautiful thing to learn how to stand on the outside while you're looking and not get right in there. Well, have you ever had a time where you, you crossed a line with someone you were working with and moved from feeling to involvement? Actually, yeah, <clears throat> I did. There was a a family that I was working with, and it was just, it was so catastrophic. And there was so much at stake on every front, on every front. 
legal, physical health, mental health, uh, financial, marriage, family, employment, corporate, societal. It was it was so huge, and there was a it was an unraveling, and there was a very clear solution. And that solution was what we were right in the middle of, and everything was aligning, kind of like the scene behind you on your um, on your wall back there. <clears throat> so sometimes when we when we we get to the point where we become a participant rather than someone who is feeling uh, what's going on, does that change the purpose of that of us being in someone's life? Yeah, it really does, because what I did with this particular group was um, they uh, – there was a member in that that group that needed to sabotage everything that we had done. And it was very financially expensive as well, time and and energetically expensive. They needed to sabotage it, and I knew that it was going to cost happiness, and it was going to cost at least one person – if not ultimately their life, at least for a period of time, their life. And and that meant a prison sentence. And that I was just, I was, quite frankly, I was, uh, enraged. I was absolutely enraged. And, and what I needed to do was step back and and do what I had done to get everything up to that point. But it can be very difficult to um to do that. Uh not anymore. Well, I, think that, I think yeah, I think once it, once you cross that line into involvement, it becomes very challenging to step back to becoming objective. That's right. But I think when, when you cross the line to someone's life where mm-hmm. you you're there and you entered their life because you you felt you could help them. And then you reach a point where you step across that line and you become involved in whatever it is. And at that point, you lose your objectivity. And when you, you know, for me, if I'm in a situation where I lose my objectivity, then I lose my value. So let me, let me draw an analogy. <clears throat> and this is pretty accurate. Working in a corporate setting in a factory, in manufacturing, and there's a mess. There's a high rate of, of uh, accident, incident from the way that they're doing their process. So you go in there, you get it all cleaned up. You see that there were problems in the C-suite, the way that they were managing. You see that there was a culture issue. And so you go in there and do the assessments, get people on board, in line, in a process. The entire process is happening and and even the manufacturing process has been improved and you can see the positive outcomes of the new rollout of this of this new improved product because of the process and and yet you've got a couple of people who are saboteurs and they annihilate all of everything that's been done and it's going to it's i mean the cost of that is huge and so the the appropriate thing to do is to pull back and not even address them, but go into process mode again and make sure that those people 
You don't need to talk to them. You don't need to interview them. Pluck them off the line and remove them from being able to be in harm's way anymore. Well, and, and, and you know, there's a there's a fine line in life to walk to understand the difference between balancing the word caring with feeling and involvement. And you 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 know it's for, you know to me it's sometimes I care. But I've got to know that when caring crosses a line and I start trying to take control. You're right. There you go. That's the issue. That's the topic. <clears throat> yeah. Because if I care and I'm, I'm feeling, you know, I care because of what I'm feeling for or about this person, then I can keep my objectivity. Right. And I can provide direction. Exactly. But if I cross that line because I care and my caring takes me to involvement, right. then what I do is I, I can work them to take control of the situation, which never ends up in a good place. Nope, it, it absolutely doesn't. So <clears throat> I think that that's one of, the, one of the reasons why I am at my best, perhaps, in my work at this point in my, in my life and in my career is um i see myself very clearly as just just like our 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 media channel the influencers do what you do <clears throat> allow it to emit from you and teach it to others teach others Treating others is reserved for a very very small percentage of the population and there are People out here who are claiming to treat, they have no idea what they're talking about. They have no idea the peril of treating others. Well, and this is one of, this is one of my real issues with this, this vast world of coaches that we have. Oh, dear God in heaven, thank you for bringing that up. Because I think that so many coaches, they walk in as the authority. Yep, they do. They, they walk in as the encyclopedia of answers. They're, they're Google in a human body. Yeah, there you go. And what they do is they walk in and they don't guide. Mm-hmm. They take control. And then when they either walk out or the person wakes up to see what's happening, there's been a tremendous amount of damage that is there. You know what? You know how many people don't talk about this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take it a step further, Richard. Not, okay. Uh, <laughs> that that I I even object to the guiding. I I can't believe how many people, you know, I'll be at an event or I'll be online in social media, and I'll be watching somebody in their guiding, and I'm thinking, you have no idea what you are talking about. Or I'll be in a group, in a Zoom call, in a group, and somebody will take the lead, and they are the grand poobah of that, that time frame, and they are spewing their prophecy and guiding the illumination of everybody. And it, you know, it, it's, not, it's, not, it's not accurate. 
As a matter of fact, it's counterproductive. And they're talking as though it's an authoritative voice with some kind of education and credential and training behind it. And it's one big zero, not there. And it's, it's insulting. Now, that's the kind of thing that makes me mad. Okay, but is there, is there a difference between guiding by giving answers and guiding by asking the right questions? Well, of course. And I think that's where the confusion comes, is that, you know, so many people, and I, I watch this with so many people I know who are a coach. Yeah. And what they do is they don't guide with questions. They guide with opinions. And the purpose of guiding is to move toward clarity. And opinions do not take us toward clarity. They may in a moment, but in the long run, they will create a tremendous amount of confusion. And I I see my role in, in, in lives as guiding through asking the right questions. Now, the other side to that is I've seen people who will guide by asking the question and then they answer the question themselves. <laughs> and again, that's not guiding. <laughs> you know, to me, when you have to fix things, you're, you're taking control. And it's just like I say on my, um, in my website and on my mentoring section, um, I won't fix your life. I don't want that responsibility. You're so but, darn toot and clear-minded. I love it. Well, every morning I clean my ears and get the cobwebs out <laughs> so that I can have a clear mind for the day. Well, thank you for doing that before we come on the air. So but, did people ask you, know, you to fix them? Go ahead. Do people ask you to fix them? Yeah. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. I, I, and, you know, I, had, uh, I just took on a new uh, mentoring person yesterday. Uh, last night I, I agreed to work with him. But we had to work through what he was looking for. And he was, he was looking for, he told me, he said, I, in the initial beginning, he was looking for someone who would provide guidance for him. And then as I questioned deeper, it became apparent he was looking for somebody who would give him the answers. Yeah. And I told him, I can't give you the answers because I'm not you. How I would answer a question would be vastly different most of the time from how you would answer the question. Mm -hmm. So you've got to find the answer that's not a statement but a commitment. And there's a big difference between an answer that is a statement and an answer that is a commitment. So tell me, what does that sound like when people, like say somebody, somebody has got um, a, a drug problem, okay, or an alcohol problem. What is the difference between what that statement sounds like and what that commitment sounds like? Well, the, the, the statement would be someone, you know, I want to get past this. Okay. The commitment would be, here's what I'm willing to do to handle this to get beyond it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, anytime you hear a statement, at some point there's going to be a conjunction behind it, either but or, you know, yet or, yeah. you know. And anytime you hear the conjunction, 
you know there's doubt. And it's not commitment. You know, I had a uh, yesterday with a conversation with one of my mentoring students, and I just flat asking, aren't you tired of lying to yourself? You make all these statements, and they really sound good, and they're well thought out. Mm. But I don't see any commitment to them. Hmm. What kind of answer did you get? Silence. But I wouldn't go on until he would he would deal with it. And finally, he agreed. He said, you know, you're right. He says, I've gotten through life by making statements. The revelations that are at hand for us are just phenomenal. Well, but you, you know, here's the, here's the other part, Deb. And um, it, it's really interesting to me that so many of these people who call themselves a coach, they just want to get to the fix. They don't want to listen to find the real issue. I don't know how. Yeah. And, you know, it, I, I know every show I go back to this, but it is so predominant in life. There's the agenda behind the agenda. And until I get to the agenda behind the agenda, then there's, there's no clarity being created. Okay. But it, it takes a lot of commitment on our part to be patient with people. Tremendously, and in patience to understand. I love the words that we that we go through and focus on the way that we do. In that patience, allow for the pace that someone can tolerate. Well, and I tell people, you know, because you get asked this all the time, you know, well, what's it going to cost me? And I tell them, it's not a cost. It's an investment. And if it's a cost to you, then I'm not the right person for you. Right. Oh, right. Oh, but if you're willing to invest in yourself and have me and my intellectual property be able to guide you, then we're a fit. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're just, if, you, if you're just at a point where you're, you know, you're so frustrated with yourself, you tell yourself, I got to do something about this. So you're hunting somebody and there's always a coach over there going, it's me, it's me. But, you know, just because some of these people have gone to taking coaching courses on the Internet uh, does not make them trained. Well, and, and when, I look at, when I look at the people who are putting the courses together and people are training with them, I'm thinking they have the untrained training others. Now, there's a lot of beautiful science out there, and um, it's interesting the way that um, people malign it because they don't have a comprehension of what it really is. I don't care if it's neuroscience or neurolinguistic programming or um, tapping. You know, all of these things are credible and real, but in the hands of, of people who really don't have the depth of under, of under of understanding through education, the depth and the breadth, they have no idea. You don't know what you don't know. It's the, it's you know I, I was taking a series. I was taking a TV show called God, God Made Millionaires, and it's a, it's a Christian uh, TV show, and we were filming it in Atlanta. 
and there were a couple of other guests on the show, and you know we each had our turn to be interviewed. And I sat and listened to them. And one of them was a, a young man who was a coach. Mm-hmm. That's what he called himself. Yeah. And so as uh, TC was talking to him, I kept intently listening to his answers. His answers were not about helping the other person, but making a statement about who he was. Mm. And then the next person TC interviewed was a very young, lovely young lady by the name of Pamela Munn. And Pamela, uh, she calls herself a coach, but she's more than a coach. Because as I, I listened to see TC interview her, I kept seeing her go, going back to uh, listening in order to provide uh, understanding. Mm. And uh, I think one of the greatest God-given skills that I have is the ability <clears throat> to not only listen with my ears and my eyes, but my ability to listen to what's not being said. Um, I, I think most people have honest conversations within their self, but then they can't bring that honesty to the conversation with others when it deals with them. Mm-hmm. And I think our role so many times in life is to get people to the point where honesty about self becomes the doorway to improving your life. Mm-hmm. But I think I think honesty about, you know, it's not challenging for me to be honest about you. It's challenging for me to be honest about myself. Right. Uh, because honesty about self is where accountability and responsibility comes in. Um, you know, one of the things that runs through my mind, we had talked before today's episode about a theme and the theme of being scattered versus focused. And, and, it, and it's poignant, I think, especially since December of 2019 through all of 2020 into 2021. There are so many things that are really urgent, that are really calling for our attention, or they're so distressing that they just grab our attention. And quite frankly, when we allow that, it's hard to come back to your core focus, and then it's exhausted. I find myself loving where it is that I've allowed my my life to land in this last year, because I, I am isolated where it is that I reside it's very isolated it's I'm in nature and I'm and I'm um I'm in quiet and I don't have the distractions that my life has always had which I enjoyed you know lots of neighbors and activities and sounds and in an urban setting or really busy nature setting with a lot going on and this has been sitting in the stillness and I, and I think about Parker Palmer, the, the author who wrote Sitting in the Stillness and The Courage to Teach, among other books. And he is a beautiful poet who goes up to the North Woods in Michigan and really goes to a cabin on a quiet lake and incubates and isolates and does 
really great writing. There's something about that that is so appealing and so enriching because you get you get a chance to feel how honest you need to be with yourself minus the input from everybody who's chattering around you to really, really see deeply who you are. What are you doing? You think there's power in the ability to handle silence? Oh, yeah. Tremendous power. Tremendous power over your own being, over your own mind. The, the only thing that we can influence and control is our mind, our thoughts. And then with our with our thoughts, we control our physiology. This last year has been very, very interesting uh, for me mm. uh, with all of the pandemic. Yeah. And that my world uh, up to last March was driven by noise, which kept me searching for silence. Mm. And it's been interesting because in the last, year, my life has been filled with silence, which has made me want to find some noise. Mm -hmm. That's Uh, funny. And, and, you know, it's, it's a, again, it's a, it's a fine line to be able to balance our need for silence with our need for noise. Mm -hmm. And I think if one thing, you know, all of this social distancing and everything has taken away a lot of the noise out of people's lives. It has. And that has created a very, very difficult time for a lot of people to be able to adjust. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. You ever get tired of silence? Not much. Do you have, like right now, do you have more silence in your life than you had, say, a year ago? Did you have to adjust to that fact? I've always had silence in my life. I was introduced to it early on by my parents. My father would request it. In order to turn on the television in our house, they had to ask permission. And and uh, I'm of an age that <laughs> preceded the remote control. So if you were going to watch TV, you had to produce the TV guide and say, here's what I want to watch on this channel at this time. And if it was approved of, and my parents weren't rigid, horrible, strict people, but they were reasonable. I had to I had to get permission to watch that television for that time. And I remember a couple of times saying, but I just want the TV on. And my dad would say, you know, silence is a really rich place. There's all kinds of things you're going to hear in the silence. Oh, as a matter of fact, I was about, <clears throat> I was about 11 and I, and I discovered massage and in massage, I started realizing the things that you could learn about people just by touching their, uh, their area between their shoulders and their neck, or just by touching their forearms or their hands. And I, and I liked it, you know, cause you can have this nice impact with people. Well, it's silent. That's a silent communication. And then I had read um, somewhere, I don't know, Life Magazine or something that came to the house, an article about these monks who would take a vows of silence and they would just stop talking. So I told my family I was going to do a silent retreat in the house. 
you know, for like five days. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not engaging in any conversation. <laughs> they eat, how, long, how long did that last? And you eat like a bird. I'm going to drink a lot of water. I'm going to keep to myself. Um, I think it lasted for about 36 hours. And then, you know, I was writing about it, <laughs> this dynamic experience. And, and, um, and it was really, it was very insightful. Because I, it got really loud inside of my head with all this stuff that's in there that the outside world had been quieting down in order to accommodate, right? And then in the silence, it, it got really, whew, really busy in there. And then it started to quiet down. Do you think there's any strength or truth to the fact we hear noise, but we listen to silence? It's an very, interesting thought, isn't it? It is. It's a very esoteric question. It's my it's my deep thought for today. <laughs> um, and and by the way, yes, except that there's. I love I love the auditory as much as I love the visual, and there's a there's a there's a beauty in the really listening and hearing the voice of another, like attraction through hearing someone's voice is just powerful and magnificent. The, the, the beauty of singing. And what are you laughing about? I was on a phone call right before we came on here. Yeah. And we were finishing up the phone call and the young lady on the other end said, would you like to talk some more? I just love listening to your voice. <laughs> doesn't matter what you say. Say anything. Yeah. Well, you and I both do have voices that we've, you know, of course they're our natural voice, but you and I have learned an awful lot about how to use our voice. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the things, uh, one of the things I'm wanting to put into our learning center next year yeah. is a postgraduate course on uh, speaking, becoming a, becoming an ex- ex- exceptional speaker. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I've been working on the outlines to it. Mm. And one of them is the idea, if you had to sit in an audience and listen to your voice, would you stay for very long? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, there are people who are really, I would love to get a hold of them about their voice. Holy jeez. I mean, just, I could, I could, Climb the wall screaming with some people's voices, women in particular. They're, what What is it about grown women who talk like little girls in a, too high of an octave, and sing a song in every sentence instead of being a period at the end? Period. Yeah, you know, it's the a, voice goes up. Like, yeah. <laughs> Many times that's a trained skill for attention. Oh, brother. It's a learned skill for attention. You know, ever since uh, the gentleman, uh, Alex Trebek, who was doing Jeopardy. Yeah. But I used to love that show because I didn't know half of the answers to the questions they were asking. Yeah. Far beyond my ability. Yeah. But, you know, when he passed away, and then they've started now having guest hosts. Mm. And the first one was Ken Jennings. And he was the biggest winner on that Jeopardy ever had in the earnings of money. Okay. 
and I couldn't watch the show because of his voice. Yeah. It, his voice was a little high pitched, and when when you're using a mic, if you're not careful, that mic will take your voice. Yeah, up higher, right? Absolutely, it's terrible. Yeah. It's absolutely terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And now they have a uh, they have a young lady doing it, and um, to me, she she doesn't have a a PD voice. Really. Yeah. And you know, I I think there's some voices that people love to listen to. There's other voices that people can't listen to. Mm-hmm. People tell me they really really like my voice. So do you talk to yourself just to enjoy it? I do. <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> Go back to me with a word you used a minute ago because it was what we had talked about this morning. I wanted to Pace? challenge. How would you define the word focus? Oh, focus. Broad versus laser. Okay. Broad versus I- narrow. You know what? Focus is in terms of breadth, depth, and intensity. My my definition of focus is the ability to maintain clarity in the midst of confusion. Oh, I like yours better than mine. (laughs) Must have been the voice you used. (laughs) I like that. You know what? Say it again. The ability to maintain clarity in the midst of confusion. Mm-hmm. Do you think focus, staying focused sometimes is challenging? Oh, my God. You know what? I have found it to be even more so when I'm in this particular office. I, I really need to uh, rearrange something in here to, to help with my focus. Because I'm finding that it is so busy with two monitors and a, a second computer and two uh, mobile phones and a landline and a television monitor and, and a lot of, you know, paper, even though things are organized. When I come in here and there are so many tasks right in front of me. My focus can go to one, and I and I'm really proud of myself as I get through it. But there's so much waiting. Now, some of this, I just I really need to bring in staff. It's this last year and a half, uh, two years have been a real shift for me without having my team. Well, it's it's challenging when you have to be a one-person show. Ugh. Sickening. I was never designed to be a one-person show. I don't like it. Well, I, I couldn't do what I do without Denise, mm-hmm. uh, without Brian, without Karen, without Troy, mm-hmm. without Drew. Yeah. I, I couldn't do what I do. I know. Because, you know, people think what you and I do is so simple. We make it look simple. But for me, it becomes simple because I've got people who keep me out of the confusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I, I tell everybody when they ask me, what, you, what is your role? And I tell them, I'm just the paid entertainment. <laughs> That's uh, what we're supposed to be. I mean, seriously. 
Yeah, well, people ask me all the time, are you a motiva- motivational speaker? I tell them, no, I'm an educational entertainer. Ah, oh, I like that. And have you ever noticed how, how we define ourselves creates, in many ways, the expectations that other people have for us? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we always have to be careful how we define ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On my, on my most recent business card, which is about, oh, maybe two or three years old now, probably two years old, I put performance architect. And okay. it is amazing. <clears throat> it says Dr. Deborah Carlin on it. <laughs> I have so many people who 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 say to me, I I've always loved architecture. Do you do houses or office buildings? <laughs> no, I build your brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. But if you say psychologist, uh, the inferences made are just overwhelming. Well, how would you define the word scattered then? Um, spread thin, confused, anxious. One of my definitions of scattered uh, is continuing to move when you don't know where you're going. You always do it better than I do. It's just amazing. I'm glad that I give you the setup, though, because... <laughs> yeah, I do that so you'll make me look good. <laughs> I do. Hey, listen, if it's the inspiration, to keep coming back every week. I'm all for it. Yeah. You think more people are focused or scattered? I think people are frighteningly scattered. And then where they are focused really, really terrifies me. There's a lot of people focused in on the fear these days, the catastrophe of these days. Yeah. And that's not helpful because that that actually scatters them. Let me give you a a piece of information that I, and to the listeners, that I put together when I was really working on uh, trying to understand focus and uh, being scattered. Okay. And uh, what I came up with in, in working and listening to people is how do people get their life so scattered? This is what I came up with. Mm-hmm. They start before they're ready to, uh, to start. They start before they're ready to start. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. And then the second one is confusion takes over their, their guidance over their life. Yep. There you go. Um, and then this one is big with a lot of people. I heard this from everybody. Attention to detail is not done. There's no real plan of action. It's the Nike philosophy, just do it, even if you don't know what you're doing, just do. Yeah. Uh, take advice from the wrong people. Mm-hmm. I think we we'll always have to really be careful who we listen to. Uh, the excitement in their life never becomes enthusiasm. Um, they refuse to adapt in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, they're too eager to walk away when things get tough. And then uh, discipline in their life is weak. So I, I wish we could help more people understand the power of discipline. Discipline to me is, is glue. It is. 
<clears throat> I think that um, there's there's some young people I know right now who are looking at uh, joining our military because they really are craving the discipline. And I think that that's a real statement about our society where there's so little discipline and the shutting of the schools, which is catastrophic, is is really right up that alley. It's terrible. It's horrifying. You know, Deb, I tell you, I had to leave a little early today, but yep. you just said something that really concerns me. Yep. That is, I'm not sure if we'll ever get beyond what the closing of the schools has done to young people. Well, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to uh leave us in the audience on this note. What's happened has made an indelible imprint and I believe that what we can do is we can pivot and and have it be a place of contrast upon which to build that which is really going to be a benefit and be healthy. How's that? Well, but I think we're going to have to do a, a lot of uh, internal counseling with a lot of these kids. Hey, I just want to put one plug in. This Saturday is my next vir- uh, virtual retreat. Yeah. Retreat. <laughs> virtual seminar. And we're doing it on motivation and momentum. There you go. And because motivation to me, I think today is one of the most needed things in the human life. People have lost their motivation. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about on Saturday, 10 a.m. Saturday morning, uh, about what is motivation. And we're going to talk also about the comparison between motivation and hype. All right. On that note, this is Dr. Deb Carlin and Richard Flint saying, Bienvenido, ciao. Pronto. If you're in Texas, you do it like this, don't you? I don't know. What does that mean? Longhorns. Yeah. What does that mean? No longhorns, no cattle. I, with all the gangster signs there, I don't, I'm afraid to do anything. <laughs> we're not only going to have to bring more color in your clothing to life, but we're going to have to help education, educate you on some of this sign language. Oh, God. Folks, all right. I got to run. Fun. All right. Bye. Bye, everybody. Hope you'll join me Saturday. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Jumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.